everyone, welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I am your host, Matthew Schufreiter. In today's episode, we have Caroline Neff, one of Steppenwolf Theater's ensemble members. Currently, she is in the production of Another Marriage, which is playing until July 23rd. Other Steppenwolf shows include Seagull, Dance Nation, You Got Older, Linda Visa, The Flick, The Way West, Three Sisters. The list just goes on with Caroline. She is also a proud company member of Steep Theater and holds her BA from Columbia College. Caroline and I met over Zoom. And just a quick word, uh, I am under the weather. So for today's episode, I'm going to sound very nasally today. So apologies to the vans, but hey. We all got to do what we got to do. So here is my conversation with Caroline Neff. Hi, Caroline. How are you? Hey, Matt. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. So uh, here we are. You're in the middle of this run for another marriage. Uh, I want to first know when they offered you the part. Did you read the script first? Did you audition? Or how did that come to be? Uh, so I, so Kate started writing this play uh, quite a while ago and just, um, had asked me to do a couple of very early readings of it. Um, some really early readings of it when like all of the characters and the story itself itself still felt like it was in pretty nascent stages. Um, and, um, and then we did a workshop of it last summer um, and I knew that like, while she was still in development for it, we weren't quite sure if I fit or where I fit. But I mean, the great thing about being in an ensemble and, and having Steppenwolf as a place that's a home is I was like, I just want to help you make your play. And if that means that like, I get to be in it and the final product, that's awesome. If that means that I'm just an actor in the room who's like helping dramaturgically or helping like so you can just get a voice and a body and not have a person whose feelings are going to be hurt if you decide to go in a different direction like I can I can be that too so there was a lot of there was a lot of really thoughtful conversations both on on their end Terry and Kate and with our leadership um and then when I was here in the spring doing describe the night was when I got the offer for McCassidy so I didn't I didn't really have to audition for it I, I mean other than the fact that I've, you know, I've been reading sort of versions of this play for a long time, but um, it was, it, it was a little bit actually like in terms of when I generally get cast and stuff and subscription houses like Steppenwolf, those usually happen way earlier. Right. And so this was the first where I was like, oh shit, we start, can I swear? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> you already, you already did. So you might as well just go for it at this point. Because I could say, I could say, oh, raspberries. If yeah. That's helpful. <laughs> I don't want to make your editing process harder than it needs to be. Um. So yeah. So so it, it was it was. I mean, when I got the offer, I think we were like six six or seven weeks out from starting from starting the rehearsal process. Um. And so that's kind of that's kind of how I kind of how I came to it. And McCassidy is a role that I so rarely ever get to like play or audition for. My manager actually, after reading the play, he was like, I think you need to do this because I just don't think you're very funny. And I was like, what are you saying to me, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's like, no, 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 you are funny. It's just like your auditions and your work are generally like so grounded that watching you do comedy is something difficult for me to imagine. Um so knowing that it was going to be a challenge and all of that it was all it, it was all it was all great 
Is that how it usually works in Steppenwolf? Because I, I read interviews with and saw stuff with like Audrey and Glenn. And it's like, you know, you do this, we'll put you in this or we'll you know, kind of like a favor. Is that kind of how it works for most of their shows for the ensemble? I mean, did, did you say favored? Yeah, I mean, sometimes like you were talking about this, like you did like workshops with this play. And then sometimes like, well, it's like, well, we have the hurt. We have you we might as well just put you in it already. Yeah, I mean, so I've so I've now known three three of the artistic leader, well, four, including in, including our our, our co artistic directorship now, but four four three iterations of leadership at the at the theater, and the one through line for all of them is that when they and and the artistic office and the artistic team are picking plays, in the forefront of their mind are how how can we best represent our ensemble, and that's. When was the last time, you know, Bruce wrote a play and does he want to come or Terrell or anybody or like, when was the last time that we had Molly Regan on stage? Like we should really be looking for a play that Molly could do or, you know, I'm I'm just using super, super random names. Right. Um, But I, it, that is always in the forefront of their mind is how best to make sure that the ensemble is being represented in our season. Yeah. Um, and so there's certainly, I think, priority in the season selection it's always interesting to me because I, I work at another theater company on the north side and um, I ran their casting department for like 10 years. And then similarly to Steppenwolf, we're always picking shows that hopefully will highlight our ensemble. Um, but something that I instituted really early on uh, in that is I was like, I don't know that within an ensemble, we should be making straight offers because we have so many of the same type in our ensemble. I think like if anybody wants to audition for it, I think they should be able to. Um, and that's, that, that kind of works differently at Steppenwolf because there's so many more ensemble members. I find all of our, our, all of our ensemble members to be very, very specific in, in, in who they are, not in what they can do by any means, but like, you know, they're, I, I think that, that, um, generally when they're thinking about an actor, they've got a pretty specific idea of what they, who they want and what they want. We, and if we have that in our ensemble, they usually, they usually go to that person. I don't think, I'm trying to think. I think I've only since I've become an ensemble member. I think I've only auditioned for one. I've 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 pitched some plays, which felt like kind of a different kind of audition, and I've also asked to audition for a play. Um, but those are those are those are kind of it. Which is you know, it's a it's a it's a blessing and a curse to be sure. Right. You. I have the play great pleasure of seeing you in four at this point. You might you're in my first Step Wolf show, which was You've Got Older. The last show I saw at Step Wolf before the pandemic of Dance Nation, and then the last two uh, when you guys were coming back with Describe the Night, and now this. So, uh, yeah. So tell your manager you got comedy. So I don't know where it <laughs> came from. <laughs> uh, you should see some audition tapes based on my audition tapes for Comedic Girls. He's not wrong. Okay, well, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I I saw the play Saturday, and I I don't and. I, I had a long thought to myself after the show and I loved, I, and this is going to sound cliche, but it felt like a real relationship. And I know that can be said for plays and shows like, sure, sure. Like we, that's coming from one perspective, but it honestly, it felt like I was watching this marriage come to be, fall apart. And then your character, I won't spoil, but then you come in how you play you have this great scene uh, in the second act with Judy, and I and for, I was watching it, and I fell back into my realism class while I was taking acting classes, and I thought, oh, this is so realistic. Just watching these two people when you came in, 
this is the only thing I would say when you when you said you just want to talk and just <laughs> went into there I'm like oh I'm watching two people have this really special conversation uh about relationships and our purpose in them um mm -hmm. what did you think of the play when you first read it, or even up until now um with the story one of the things that I think I love the most about it is that it is very um, gentle to the flaws that everybody on stage has. And I think sort of approaches them with a love and an empathy that I find very difficult uh, to access all the time. And I think that Kate, when she was writing it, wrote about four characters that she deeply deeply loves and and has respect for yeah. and so even when we're making these super flawed decisions I think she's made it really clear why those decisions were made and I think allowing us to then empathize with decisions that I don't necessarily agree with in my life or like a sort of sort of sort of struggle to justify and the other thing is you know as a as a person who my parents got divorced when I was 13 and they both remarried into relationships that I just love. Like they love their partners. They are so well suited for each other. They're so happy with the other. And I think a lot about, do you know this play? It's a Philip Dawkins play called Failure, A Love Story. Yeah. They did it at VG years and years ago. Yeah. There's, I love that play. I love that play. And there's a line in it um, where, where, one of the actors says, says to another, he grabs him by the hand and he says, just because something ends doesn't mean it wasn't a success. Mm. And I think that being able to see a relationship that didn't end conventionally successful to sort of evolve into something that I think is really healthy and kind and caring is not something that we get to see all the time. Like, I, I don't feel like the play ever asks us to choose sides, yeah. which I think is really be cool and 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 really really rare sometimes you need to like the the dramatic tension in the play means that there has to be a protagonist and an antagonist and I mean we certainly all kind of fall into some version of those roles within this play but I also think that it vacillates you know what I mean in between like yeah. who's the antagonizer in this scene and who's and, and who's the, the, the protagonist in this scene and and um so I do I just think it's I, th I think it's really big-hearted yeah, like a, a relationship. And you know, like you said, there's no villain. Even when a certain character does something, we, you know, we get mad at them, but we're not going to hate them for the rest of the play. Even by the end, I, I can watch this family go on this 20-year cycle, um, which yeah. is so special to watch. Uh, it felt it was a very small but touching story, which I loved. Um, yeah. And it's, that's the other thing. I love that you use that word small as a compliment because I'm like, it is, it's small in scope. Yeah. And therefore, and I think like, you know, some of the things, like something that I loved about Describe the Night was like how big it was mm -hmm. in its exactly. universe and in its messaging and in its characters and all of that. And I'm like, I love those plays, but I also, it's been such a long time since I've seen just such a small like such a microscopic view of somebody's existence. Like, and I think that that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it, and in the round, and like that's a fun challenge as well, which I think was mm -hmm. your third time performing in the round. That's right. Yeah. In this, in this building. Yeah. Yeah. You, have you adjusted to it yet? Does it still feel weird at this point? 
You know, it's funny. I because I worked in storefront for so long, and, and so Steep Theater is my artistic home, and and all of our spaces have been fully. Um, trans- I mean, you can you, you can change all of them. They're 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 fully functional in all four of the sort of primary theatrical settings up and so a lot of the time we were either like mostly in the round or in a thrust or whatever and I I find that for me as an actor I find that incredibly freeing because you just kind of lose the pretense of like the proscenium or the pretense of trying to figure out how to give everybody access because you know that at some point like everybody is going to get access and sort of exist in the in the in the realistic setting in which we have Um, and the intimacy of the space is one that doesn't that doesn't intimidate me either. Like, you know, from the stage floor to the very back row of the house is only 20 feet. Yeah. And that is crazy to me. So when like, you know, as opposed to the downstairs theater where you have that first row is pretty far away from you still. And in this room, like I could touch somebody if I wanted, like that feels almost more natural to me than getting in a big proscenium house. It's like, Oh, we just have other considerations. Now, you know, we have we have walls that we have to pretend are there, which is really hard for me. And so, um, yes, I think I've definitely adapted to it. And it's, I mean, the only thing that I think is the most tricky about that space is um, the acoustics of it are super, super sound. Um, but I, I think intuitively, when we can't see somebody's face, it's difficult for us to understand them because we sort of like intuitively know how to read lips and can like, if we're having difficult difficulty with the audible nature of of something, we can sort of fill in the blanks on our own. Um, But I also think that we're in a moment, I'll speak for myself, where like, I'm really trying to retrain my attention span. Mm. You know, the pandemic was one where I was like, I can kind of like put a movie on and then go and do whatever I want, whenever I want. And so like, the, the practice of staying really attentive is is one that's difficult for me. And especially when you have something that's in the round where it's like, oh, you really do have to lean in and you really do have to like engage in a way that I think for me, I haven't been asked to do in a really long time. So I think, you know, the, the, the difficulty there of like, just, just like the logistics of, can everybody understand what I'm saying is one that I think has taken me definitely. And I think everybody a little bit of time to sort of, sort of adjust to and figure out how best to, how, how best to sort of solve, solve that issue has been yeah. an interesting conversation here. Cause it's also a space that's really difficult to mic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because of, of what speakers are. Yeah. So like if the actors are mic'd, all the sound has to come from the, speakers above yeah and you also have to have one of these kind of madonna mics on because if it's a lapel mic it picks up all of the beautiful acoustics in the room so the sound the room was built super acoustically soundly but then it creates problems if we're trying to amplify our own voices and not pick up the rustling of a thing in the front row because you have to have those lav mics that are just you know right by your face and so then you're like okay there's no way to pretend like we're not in the theater now so (laughs) Did you see uh, last night and the night before? Loved it. I would put this as a double feature. You know what? That I have not thought about that, and I think that that is I I I love that. I just that I think that play is so extraordinary, and yeah. I those actors were extraordinary, and I just. I saw actors that I've known for a long time doing stuff that I've never seen them do before, and I just. I just, I, I do. I, I think it's really hard to just tell a story about a family 
and have that be the global impact that we're trying to make because like you know micro affects the macro in a really in, in a really profound way but it's hard to remember that sometimes when it's like well why does my little story matter and you're like oh your little story matters because it it impacts anybody who has a family or anybody who has a complicated relationship or anybody who yearns for something bigger than themselves like that's the story that you're telling it just happens to be within the frame of like a family and a, and, right. and and again these kind of like microscopic stories in terms of global scope Yep. But it ends, but again, there's no villain in either one. And mm-hmm. then, it, then we're going, and in, in that play too, they, they go through so much. And in the end, I can watch this family go through their life every day. Same with this one as well. It was just in my head. Mm-hmm. I talk about, like, oh, this would actually work very mm-hmm. well. But Let's pitch it. But, hey, artistic, you listening to this? <laughs> Uh, anyway uh so let's talk about young caroline so what were you so you grew up in texas and you were what moving around a lot every couple months or so Mm -hmm. uh what was that all about what were you like as a child um well we so i i actually i was born in new mexico so i i i the 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 geographic journey was Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Lubbock, Texas, to Las Cruces, New Mexico, to Apple Valley, California, to Columbia, Missouri, to Corpus Christi, Texas, then San Antonio, then back down to Corpus. And then I moved up here to go to school. Um, and we were like, not every couple of months, we were like every 18 months to three years was about like some, somewhere in that median app, that, that, that median scope. And uh, my dad, it was my dad's job. My dad was just retired um, last year. He was a hospital administrator in the Catholic health system, which is one that kind of can bump you, bump you around because it's a national system. And and um, he was really good at kind of coming in and in administrative triage to hospitals and sort of helping them like write their ship and write their business operations and then move on to a bigger system. Um, so that was the reason why we moved around a lot. Um, and I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty textbook middle child. Um, and so that like the, the, the moving around and the, and the feelings of that, like, oh God, I don't belong anywhere. You know, we're like always super, super strong. Um, but I, I, I mean, because of it, so I, I started doing, I started doing theater stuff. I mean, I did like some like summer camps and stuff when I was in, when I was in elementary school, but I thought that I was going to be a concert pianist for a long time. And then my piano teacher was like, your hands are too freakishly small. You will never be able to play in a concert as a concert pianist. And I was like, Dorothy, I'm 10. Yeah. Like, are you sure you want to decide that right now? Right. Um, she wasn't wrong. Rachmaninoff was always one that I couldn't quite master. And, and then I was like, oh, I'll be a surgeon. Um, and then realized that I was really bad at math. Um, and when, because we started moving around, like, I think my, my first big move was like, that I, that I remember being quite traumatizing was when we moved to California and I had to start, or no, when we moved from California to Missouri. So I had to leave halfway through sixth grade and then start at another, you know, kind of start all over at another school. And she, and I still have this fear as, as a 37 year old adult of like walking into a room full of strangers and being like, somebody asked me to sit with them at lunch. Somebody asked me to sit with them at lunch. Please ask me to sit with you at lunch. I don't care who you are. Please don't make me ask or make me sit by myself. 
Yeah. And so when I was signing up, when I was signing up for classes, when we made that, that, that first kind of big, not the first big move, but the first one that I really remember is it was like, you could do sports as your first class, or you could do some kind of arts as your first class. And I, I have never been a team athlete. That's not something that I'm very good at a, because of um, my ability um, <laughs> um, and, and B just because I think like, you know, working, working in that kind of ensemble is one that takes me a lot more work than, than working in the ensemble of actors or ensemble of artists. Um, and so I started taking theater classes so that I would have somewhere to sit at lunch every time we moved. Um, and that was true. I think up until I graduated from high school because I went to I went to three different middle schools and I went to three different high schools okay. and so at every one I was like well I mean you got to find you got to find the, the 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 place you could have somebody invite you over um to eat your sad bagel and cream cheese lunch um and then it became like you know the the through line through all of that is it's I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one to make this reference from like we're all a little bit like island of misfit toys and so okay on top of just kind of having like the schedule in common or, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not great at sports in commons. You start to find a really common thread of, of similar humanity in people, which are like people that are, that, that are, that are really big and that feel a lot of big feelings and aren't afraid of those feelings or, or, you know, need help articulating them and aren't afraid to ask. And, and you know, the, the creative brain that it takes to sort of like direct a room full of people with kindness and with empathy. And and, and then I started like doing theater tournaments and stuff in high school. Cause again, I just, I, I never played sports. I almost didn't graduate from high school because I never took a PE class. Oh, how dare you? I know, I know. And at my, my senior year of high school, I was like, okay, well, everybody's got to start getting their, getting their, getting their robes and, and stuff to walk. And I went to go like register and they're like, oh, you don't have enough credits to graduate. Um, so I had to very quickly sign up for uh, bowling and tennis by a correspondence so that I could graduate from high school. Um, and then I was, and then I was mad at my administration. And so I didn't walk the stage because I was like first of all you took too long to tell me that b that's really stupid and c I'm just not going to participate if you're going to be this unsupportive um (laughs) isn't that absurd (laughs) oh my god so so um (laughs) so so yeah so I started so I started doing theater tournaments and stuff in high school and really found it you know a a just as as what started um as a place to build community really quickly transformed in a way for me to like deal with my big, like my big, big emotions in a way that felt productive and felt healthy. Um, And then as an adult, it's been really interesting to sort of see it again. I'm like, oh no, the reason why I was drawn to it in the first place remains the reason why I'm still drawn to it, just with a lot more nuance. I'm like, I just, the, the, the fundamentals of community that are in in the theater industry are just so strong, I think. And now I feel like, I don't know if I have more confidence or if I'm just more used to it, but I know when I walk into a rehearsal room, even if I don't know anybody, that 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 I have a built-in community in that room. And so I don't need to be intimidated about where I'm gonna sit at lunch, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And then when we went to Chicago, because we went to Columbia, um, mm-hmm. what, brought, what brought you there? 
I had done my first, I did my first year of, of school in Corpus um, and was just like kind of, kind of spinning my wheels pretty significantly. Um, uh, and um, I was working at a comedy, an improv comedy club right after I graduated from high school called Joker's Wild. And it was, um, you know, the only one in town in Corpus Christi. And, and there was a guy who had been living in Chicago who had come back down to Corpus to, to um, take care of his dad because his dad had gotten sick. And then my mom died very suddenly. And I kind of just quickly discovered, I was like, I, I don't know what's keeping me here other than habit. Cause like my sister had already moved. My little brother was up living with my dad in Oklahoma. And I just kind of, I was like, there's just, I don't think anything, I, I don't know what's keeping me here. And I started dating somebody who was applying to the graduate school at Columbia. And I was like, think about it. And I said, okay, great. I will. And I applied and I got in and I moved here kind of blindly. And then quickly that person and I broke up. And so then I was like, fuck, I guess I'm still going. Yeah. Um, and my, and my friend, John, who had, who I worked with at, 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 at Joker's Wild was planning on moving back. And I was like, okay, let's, let's give it a shot. I mean, I think had I had any more knowledge about anything, I probably would have been too scared to go. Hmm. Like I didn't, I, I, I don't think I ever thought that being an actor could be a career, like a, I'm not going to say stable career. Cause I don't think it is, but a career in which you can like make a living and, and, and sort of continue to do it didn't feel real to me and still, and frankly still doesn't. Um, but you know, had I known the, the, the importance of Chicago theater, had I known the importance of Steppenwolf, had I known the importance of like some of the people that I interacted with really early on in my life here, I, I think that I would have been too scared to, 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 do anything um and so you know ignorance is bliss for sure in that um <laughs> in that regard um but yeah so I so I so I came up I, I came up to go to school honestly on a bit of a lark and and um started seeing shows at steep my first the first show that I ever saw in Chicago was up at steep it was called Incident at Vichy which is an Arthur Miller play about the Nazi occupation of Vichy France and it was in their old space at like Sheridan and Irving Park essentially and it's this tiny, like 35 seats, maybe. And I had just never seen anything like that before. I had never been in a space that was that intimate. I had never seen something that felt so fucking rock and roll to me and was still a classic play that I didn't know. And, and like, I just, the entire experience of it was so incredible to me because I literally walked out of the theater. Oh, I'm gonna, I might start crying. I walked out of the theater. I was like, I didn't know that it could be like that. Mm. I, I just, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so that very sort of quick um, education into all of the different ways that theater can look and feel like and smell like and be and sound like and all of that um, was, was, was a really quick and really good education. So I got to start working with Steep um, pretty early. I did my first professional show there when I was still in college. And then, you know, and then stuck around and got to do a bunch of shows there and got to do a bunch of shows around the storefront circuit and, um, and then stuck around and I lived here for 15, just over 15 years. Hmm. Who are some of the faculty you had? Cause I, I, I also went to Columbia. So I had like, 
Kendra and uh, Scott Olson, Michael Brown. I didn't have Jeff Ginsburg. He left when I started going, but I, ha I have talked to him and interviewed him. And he seems, and he was also wonderful. Jeff um, is, I think, one of the best people on the planet. Um, and I will say, I'm sure he would, he would, he would blush at the very least, shudder at the most. I, I do think that Jeff is a person who gave me permission to be good at what I do. Mm. Um, and by that, I mean, he challenged me in moments where I was holding myself back because I didn't want to be showy because I didn't want to be too vulnerable because I mean, for, you know, a lot of other reasons that I'm sure my therapist will figure out for me someday. Uh -huh. um, but it, 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 you know, any time that he felt like I was, I, I was not pushing myself or that I could, that I had expansion that I wasn't exploring. He really challenged me to do that. And I mean, I had a lot of great teachers at Columbia. Let's see, who did I have? I had Tom Mula, uh, uh, Brian Posen was an early acting teacher of mine, Dennis Wise, um, Jeff, obviously, Caroline Lada, Kathleen, yeah. you know, all the OGs, a lot of whom I know are, 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 are sort of either not working there or, you know, but it, it, and it was such a great edu education for me. I mean, and I don't know about you, but it, it was great. I think, especially as an artist trying to work in Chicago, where you really have to sort of forge a path for yourself. Whereas I think like in New York and LA, there's kind of a more clear cut. Okay. You start doing this and then you go do this and then you do this and then you're famous, yeah. you know? And, and here it's like, no, like you can get out of school and you can do a show at Steppenwolf right away and then go back and do storefront forever. Or you can do storefront and then you do Broadway and then you do Steppenwolf and then you do storefront and then you do camera and then you do whatever. Whereas in LA, it's like, okay, you start with like day player roles and then you move on to co-stars and then you move on to guest stars and then you move on to series regular. Like right. that kind of really clear cut path of forward. Um, I just think is more circuitous here. And I think, you know, the thing that Columbia really challenges you to do is to figure it out um, and, and know that kind of there's not going to be anybody saying, okay, and next you have to do this. And after you're done doing this, then you have to do this. And there's, of course, positives and negatives to that. I, I mean, I, I, this is a running theme and I won't always blame everybody else. But I also didn't almost graduate from Columbia because I didn't have enough credits. And I was like, oh, somebody at that point probably could have stepped in and let me know that, you know, because like I could have remedied that pretty easily. Um, but it, it, in terms of like my learning and the things that I was interested in and the self-sufficiency that I think that you need as an artist in Chicago uh, felt, felt like that, like that was, that was really foundational in my education at Columbia. Right. And I found this great vulnerability there because when I, I started, I, I went there my second year because I started out in the radio department and it wasn't until you I, started I did the radio department first. So I was a radio major. Oh, yeah. And then I see. transferred over to the acting department and it took me a half, long way, long time to figure out because I did in my scene study class, I did Thief River. And then I think I did Angels in America next with Caroline Lada next semester. Mm. And it took this long time for me to stop doing an act if that made sense. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about trying to be funny. It was just being like, oh, I am acting here. And I and I did every, I, I am pretty much playing to a script and not playing to an actor. Mm -hmm. So it took me this long time to figure out of why am I not listening to my actor, my fellow scene partner. 
that's a really elevated thought for a college student to have. I had a lot. Of I people. don't think I started having that conversation with myself until pretty recently. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of free time during my at Columbia, so <laughs> I was like, quite right. honest out. Um, yeah. Oh, Matt, I think you were okay. Yeah. <laughs> What do you prefer? I because you do Stephen and you do Steppenwolf, and I know there's no. I don't want to compare and contrast the two. I mean, I mean Steppenwolf is this. Everyone knows Steppenwolf. I mean, for the Tonys and it transfers to Broadway and California. And Steve is this little little theater, but like we said, little as a, as a compliment because they do these great unique stories and these storefronts. Do you have a preference at this point? I know you've done a lot more with Steppenwolf recently, but if Steve called you and gave you and wanted you to do this, would you go back? Absolutely. In a second. Mm-hmm. In an absolute second. You know, the, the thing that I love about Steve that, that I think will never, ever change is it's maybe the place that scares me the most mm-hmm. um, because of, because of, you know, I started, I became a company member there in 2008. And so like I was, you know, 23, I think. Um, and, and, so, so, you know, Steppenwolf had been around for 35, 40 years before I was an ensemble member there, you know? And so like my appreciation of it came first as a, as a, as an admirer of, and then like, and then as somebody in, so, so my investment is different, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, not, not that one is stronger than the other. They are just literally different things. Like I invest my time and in di- differently into Steve than I do into Steppenwolf. And that's just out of necessity for the infrastructure of both of those institutions. Um, but Steep is also, I, I'm, I, when I got to do three sisters, which was my first show in the downstairs theater, that was my first time working in a theater of that size. And there was something to me that felt really liberating about it because you know your final your final cast member is always the audience but that's a much more aloof cast member than somebody who's six inches away from you and like you just you don't have anywhere you don't have anywhere to hide on this deep stage you don't have anywhere like you can't do stage tricks if you start thinking about your laundry you know, is it like it requires just a really different kind of kind of concentration. And so I feel like I, I feel like my. You know, I, I think I think steep for whatever reason is a scarier place for me to work. Maybe it's just because like I, you know, I started working there when I was really young and didn't and didn't and, and didn't. I don't know. It didn't have anything to compare it to. But yeah, I love Steve. I love seeing their plays. I love working there. I, I love all of the people that are involved. Like. It's great, but I do. I'm, I'm, it's been it's been a while since I've done a show there, and at this point, I'm like, I got it. I don't know. Like, would I be too frightened? I might be. Hmm. And that's like when I watch somebody like Kendra. I mean, any of the ensemble members up there, but I watched somebody like Kendra in Light Falls last summer, and I was like, I, extraordinary. Yeah. It's just it's extraordinary, and it's immediate, and it's visceral, and all those things. I'm not saying again that Steppenwolf is not that. I just like. Huh. Yeah, you can't oh. fuck around. No, no, not that we around at Steppenwolf. We don't. We take it all very seriously every day. <laughs> That's the tagline for this episode: is they take their own yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we have we have time. We're gonna play a game. This game is called Time for Great. Two. 
And it's two minutes on the clock. It's random icebreaker questions. There's no right, there's no wrong. I'm just curious to see what your opinion is. Are you ready? I think so. All right, you'll be great. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Morning or night person? Night. Favorite kind of deli meat? Turkey. If you had to put something between two pieces of bread, what would it be? Cheese. What is in your fridge right now? Uh, I just did a bunch of meal prep. So I have roasted chicken and broccoli. I've got yogurt. I have um, romaine. It's all really boring. A lot of soda water. Great. Uh, favorite part of the human face? Oh, probably the eyes. Uh, if you had the chance to change your fate, would you? That's hard to answer because I don't know what my fate is. So what if I traded out something worse? I don't I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say... No, go. We have time. Fate is in quicksand, and then I want to change that fate. Love that. What is at the end of the rainbow? Pot of gold. <laughs> uh, is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? I have a lot of friends who are DJs and they would all say no. <laughs> uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Uh, uh, favorite color of the rainbow? Lavender. What West Wing character is your favorite? I've never seen it. Great. Uh, favorite kind of tea? English breakfast. Would you rather live at a zoo or a roller coaster park? Roller coaster park. Favorite president? Obama. Favorite beetle? Probably George. AC or DC? DC. And that's how we play. Rapid fire, I like it. Yeah, I was like, I didn't expect that one question to really be a, really make you think. The fate one? Yeah, the fate one. Well, I, I guess you, I ask hard hitting questions. I keep forgetting that. Do you do you ask the same questions every time, or they are totally randomized? They are totally random. Wild. So we so when we were doing half hour, we had like a lightning round of ten questions. We changed like every quarter. And I was, I was like, dude, these are my favorite. That's my favorite moment is when we get to like, when we get to yeah. the lightning round. I'm like, well, I just learned something that I'm not sure I was supposed to learn <laughs> by asking if you like ketchup or mustard better. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, That's I called journalism that. though. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Caroline, before we go, my last question to you is, are your parents proud of you? Absolutely. I would agree. They, they don't, they don't get it, but they're very proud of me. That's what my parents tell me all the time. They don't get it, but we're proud of you. <laughs> Caroline, thank you so much for spending some time with me. This was a lovely chat. And uh, of yeah. my thanks to Caroline Neff for taking some time to talk with me. And if you want to see another marriage, fear not. It did get extended another week until July 30th. For more information, go to steppenwolftheater.org. And that is it for today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You know the drill. Facebook, Instagram, and that email. Email, email, email. I am Matthew Schufreiter. I'll see you next time on Are Your Parents Proud of You? Bye-bye. Bye-bye.